Hi, this is Carolyn Neil Lachlan, your hostess with the mostest of From Paper to People podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 158, Sean Connery's Best Performances. <laughs> McBrien along with Derek Myers and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter at C McBrien and you'll find Derek at Amaron underscore DM and popgoesyourworld.com is our website with all of our contact information. Derek, it's been a couple weeks. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, did you enjoy the time off? Did you spend it wisely and productively, or did you just heads down and get some work done? I did a lot of work over the last little while, but I got a little bit of pop culture in. Uh, what's new in uh, pop culture in your world? Uh, not a whole lot, really. Really? Uh, Two weeks? I figured you'd come back saying, hey, I watched all these well, movies. I did all this stuff. Well, that was my intent. I, mm-hmm. I, I was on vacation last weekend. That was part of the reason we didn't do the, the podcast. And I had all these plans to late at night when everyone else was sleeping. I was going to watch movies on my phone and get caught up on some TV shows. And I didn't have time to do any of that. I just I just took the time to relax. And so, yeah, it's uh, that, that list of things that I've been trying to get to. You know, you have that list of, oh, on a rainy day when I have time, I'll watch these programs. The list just keeps getting longer. So, oh, I got lots for you. So I've got okay. a bunch. I've got a bunch of pop culture stuff, and then I have a podcast thing. So okay. the pop culture stuff first. Uh, my wife and I, I mentioned we were finishing up watching Orange Is the New Black. We made it through all seven seasons. Finally finished it. So we're in the market for a new show to binge watch. You know, at night when the kids go to bed, and we haven't had really had a whole lot of luck lately. Um, I went back and listened to the episode that, that we did with Justin Mason. Remember, uh, oh, what, yeah, what TV yeah, yeah. show should I binge watch next? And, and I tried watching The West Wing. I loved it. Uh, my wife hated it. So I guess, you know, that, that one's out. And we watched one episode of Manhunter because Justin recommended Mind, that. Mindhunter? Or so what did I say? You said Manhunter. Man, Mindhunter. You're right. Mindhunter. And my wife liked it, but I hated it. I didn't like it at all. And then we started watching Animal Kingdom. Uh, my wife said, oh, we got to watch this. I've heard good things. And I turned it off halfway through the first episode. I, I don't even know what that is. Really hated that one. Okay. Um, so we need some suggestions. So feel free to tweet me at C McBrien or send me an email. Like I mentioned, my contact information is at the website Um And then another thing. Um, oh, Derek, you'll appreciate this. The, the one thing that I actually have watched recently that I really enjoyed was a documentary. It was a series. It's called Challenger, The Final Flight. Have oh, I, I have heard of it. I have not watched it. It's it's on my watch list. My wife fell asleep the other night, so I went and put it on. I only watched the first episode, but it was really, really, really good. And then another one that we finally decided, her and I, were like, I, I really want to watch. She didn't really want to watch it. Was We started to watch. I watched the first episode. was Cobra Kai. Okay. Had she was she familiar with the old Karate Kid? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She knows the Karate Kid. Uh, so have you watched Cobra Kai? No, no. I, I, I will. I, I know it's getting great reviews, but I don't really remember the Karate Kid movie that well. And from what I've heard, the the more you know about the old movie, the more of the wink, wink, little throwbacks make a lot more sense. But I've heard it does stand quite well on its own, even if you're not overly familiar with it. I only watched one episode, but I really, really liked it. So I think we have a show, her and I, that we can watch, you know, a little bit right now. Um, They're just short. They're like half an hour or less each. The only thing I will say is that I I wish that it would have explained, and it did this a bit, but I thought one of the things that people have said for years about The Karate Kid is if you flip it around and if you look at it from the point of view of the quote unquote bad guys, then actually Daniel LaRusso is the bad guy. Yeah. He comes into town. He takes the guy's girlfriend. You know, like he's he actually wins with an illegal kick move. Yeah, exactly. He's the bad guy. And and that's an interesting thing to explore. And I thought that this and I think that's where this is going to explore that. But yeah. the first episode, it didn't really push that home for me as much as it, they should have. Like, I mean, they showed LaRusso as being very successful. And there is a scene where um, uh, Johnny kind of meets him 
you know, in his dealership. And, you know, he kind of says, well, you know, you stole my girlfriend. And, but they didn't really explore it full on as much as I thought that they should. But uh, it was really, really good. And then just one other quick thing is my oldest son and I, um, I started watching old Roadrunner and Coyote cartoons with him. Uh, now, where did you get this source material from? I got it on YouTube. I did a search on YouTube and found some. So I said, okay. hey, let's watch this. And he loved it. And I did too. I was like, I haven't seen these things since I was a kid. Were they were they the unedited versions, the originals? Yeah. Like when the, the coyote falls, you actually see him hit the ground and stuff like okay. that. And we were both laughing. Like we were just both laughing. Well, it's, it's just funny. Silly. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's the pop culture stuff. Nice. But the most I'm glad important, one of us did our homework this week. Oh yeah, of course. Um, but a really important thing that I wanted to, uh, to touch base on this week. Uh, it has to do with a little bit of a recurring bit that we have on the, the little podcast around here. And it actually started on my old podcast on Dear Mr. Fantasy. Uh, Derek, we both loved Game of Thrones, right? And we've mentioned before that uh, Tyrion Lannister stole the show every time he was on screen. And he was obviously part of a big ensemble cast. Uh, but he transcended his role and he became bigger than life. And anytime that we've seen someone who's a, you know, quote unquote, secondary character that gives a bigger than life performance, we give that a name. And Derek, do you remember what we call it when a secondary character steals the show? I have no idea. It's no, a, of course I do. Yeah, go of ahead. Of course you do. It's a dinklage. It's a dinklage. But uh, anyway, I don't know if you know this about me, Derek, but if there's one thing I love in this world, it's funk music. It's a little known fact. I know. I don't, you know, but another thing is that not only am I a podcast host, but I'm also a musician. So I thought that tonight, right here on the show, would be the perfect time and place for me to debut my new song. Uh oh. It's going to be soon up on iTunes where you can download it for like the low, low price of $1.29. But tonight, because I love everyone so much, including you, Derek, I'm giving it to you and everyone for free okay so here it is the world premiere of my new song i hope you enjoy it for me to uh to uh not be encouraging to any artist who's trying to ply their trade but mm -hmm. uh even me that that was awful <laughs> i'm i'm thinking of quitting my day job and going into music full-time what do you think uh i i think you're on drugs like <laughs> yeah, i want that one minute and eight seconds of my life back oh, oh man it's so funky. i was expecting to hear you singing i feel cheated I've heard you sing Ring Rang a Dong for a holiday. I've heard you I've heard you sing tons of stuff on this podcast. I'm not saying it was necessarily sung very well, but I was <laughs> expecting this to be Chris at his very best audio stylings of Chris singing. So I, I didn't get that. So, so, so what so what you're saying is I sing on the podcast all the time. And then when I finally release a song, it's not even me singing. Was it even you playing the instruments? Or did you, was this just you being a DJ where you sampled music from other sources? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, okay. So. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But I might just sample that again. And then, so how, so did you like the, the funk music? Did you like the beat at all? Yeah, yeah that was fine. It was pretty good. Okay, so uh, maybe. Well, at first, hang on. At first, I thought it was you playing. And I thought, oh, wow, Chris, oh, look, he's put some time and effort into this. And then I'm like, this seems a little too polished. This seems very digitally reproduced. So I'm like, mm, probably not. And then when the lyrics kicked in, I'm like, he's just playing the sample over and over again. I'm like, this is weak. Mm -hmm. So what I maybe will do is just use that music, use the funk 
bed that I created and maybe then I'll actually sing over top of it. How about if I did that? Would you like that better? Oh, I, I'm really worried what my answer is <laughs> going to be here because I want to say yes, but then I'm going to have to listen to the new version next week, aren't I? Well, I don't know about um, next week. I mean, I got to have to go back into the studio and get studio time and all that stuff. But uh, okay. Okay. So then, know. yeah, well, you know, Christmas is coming. Maybe you can give us that for Christmas. You can, you can. So maybe, uh, maybe I, I need to create a real song where I, I actually sing over top of that. Oh, let me see what I can do. I'll work on it. But okay. I'll tell you what. And it has to rhyme. It can't just be one of these like weird spoken word things, no. random musings. It has to have like some some poetry to it. Okay. I, I will do my best. I have right? very high standards for these things. Of course. And as well you should. Now, I, I just want to say that's not the only thing that I have for you. Oh, no. I, I just keep on giving around here. So in addition to the world premiere of my new song, I also have this. Here's your dad joke of the week. Derek, since we're talking about Sean Connery tonight, I thought it was only fitting that I do a James Bond dad joke for you this week. Okay. So here we go. Derek, why does Daniel Craig have gray hair in the new James Bond movie? I... I know I'm going to regret this, but I have no idea. Tell me why, Chris. Because he's got no time to die. Oh, man. (laughs) Can we go back to the song? (laughs) (laughs) Pete Meister, the rabble rouser, passing the buck over. This is the best trilogy of all time. Well, hold on. Is it better than the prequels? Let's go into our Wayback Machines to the 90s. Watching paint dry is better than the prequels, right? (laughs) (laughs) We basically watched everything. I'm Canadian, so I love hockey. Wawa, baby. You're a wonderful human being. Everybody's got cigarettes. Even the teachers. Probably not the best message to be sending in a Disney film. Just just humor me for a second. I'm Canadian, but I can't skate. (laughs) Okay, so once again... We were all prepared to do a topic for the week, and then we got some bad news. Sean Connery, the legendary Sir Sean Connery, died at the age of 90 years old. So, Derek, you reached out to me, and you felt it would only be fitting if we kind of switch things up, you know, from our original plan, and instead spend this episode running down our favorite Sean Connery performances. So, Derek, why did you feel, I mean, oh, why, but I mean, explain why you felt it was important that we pay tribute to uh, Sir Sean Connery this week. Well, I, I thought back, so we, we had this sort of similar thing happen a few weeks back where we were getting ready mm-hmm. to do a top five list and uh, legendary music, musician and guitarist Eddie Van Halen died. And that, that was very emotional for me. Uh, and I, I reached out to you with only a few days before. And I said, like, I think we need to do this, this Eddie Van Halen episode. And we did. And I think, I think it was a great episode and I had a lot of fun with it. Then, um, when we heard of, I heard of Sean Connery's passing last week, it, it didn't hit me the same way. Um, I, I mean, I'm a fan of his work, but not like I, not like I was with Eddie Van Halen. Uh, but at the same time, I thought, well, you know what? Sometimes we, we struggle to come up with interesting topics and despite the fact that we had a had a topic that had already been delayed, so we'd pretty much done our homework already. We were ready to rock and roll. I thought, well, you know what? This this is a good chance to to dig into some some films that maybe we wouldn't otherwise talk about. And mm-hmm. Sean Connery, we did it uh, again. I looked him up right away, and on his IMDb page, it said he has ninety four acting credits, which shocked me. Like, I I. I I was with some other people when I looked this up and I said, hey, if I told you the over and under on Sean Connery's total number of credits was 90, would you think it's over or under? Every one of them said under by a long oh, shot. Oh, if you said like, 40, I'd probably go under. Yeah. yeah. I was like, no, it was it was 94. Now, in all fairness, some of these were like appearances on mm-hmm. on shows and, and uh, voice work. On He did some voice work, some narration and stuff, but still. Uh, so I thought, well, he's got such a large body of work. He spanned through, uh, you know, many decades. Uh, he did a lot of different kinds of films. And I think different people remember him differently depending on what performances of his they saw first, how old they were when they first saw a Sean Connery performance. And was it, you know, were you a young person in the 80s or 90s first seeing him as the James Bond from the 60s? Or were you seeing him in a new movie that was coming out in the 80s or 90s? And so I think different people had sort of a different relationship and a different appreciation for different parts of his work. And I thought, you know what, this this could make for a good show. Um, let, let's give it a let's give it a try. And um, I thought I, I thought I was on to something great. And then 
when so you know i reached out to you and you said yeah let's do it sure and then i started putting my list together and i realized i have seen a lot of sean connery movies but most of them started around the mid 80s and then onward and he did a lot of movies in the late 80s and 90s where they were either not great movies or his role was such a small role in the movie that i couldn't justifiably call it a sean connery movie and so even though i had you know 20 or so movies on my list originally just oh i've seen this and i've seen this and i've seen this i started going down the list going well now that doesn't make the top five now that doesn't make the top five and the next thing i know i'm down to like two movies i'm like okay i gotta <laughs> i gotta go back to the list again so I actually i actually spent part of this week trying to find some of those older classic sean connery films that i've never seen that i've heard great things about uh that i've always wanted to watch but never had enough time to and unfortunately, I couldn't find some of the big ones that I that I was hoping to. So there's going to be some gaps on my list that people are probably going to think like, how, how do you not have that in your top five? It's simply because I just I'd never seen them. So I'm really hoping you pick up the, the heavy lifting on some of these titles. But uh, no, I think I think my list came together pretty well in the end. And uh I think we'll have a good show talking about it. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, you know, I like all the old stuff, that's for sure. Uh, before we get into our top five list, I just want to preface it by saying something. I mean, like, if we be, if, let's be honest, we all know Sean Connery best for his portrayal of James Bond. Of course. But I wanted to mention, I, I'm going a different way with my list. Like, we know Sean Connery is Bond. I mean, he created James Bond, right, for the silver screen. So I decided actually not to include any of his Bond performances in my top five list. Because I figured, you know, he's playing the same character in all of his Bond films. So for me, it's kind of hard to differentiate between them and like single out one performance over the others. Although I think if I had to single one out, um, it would be Dr. No for me because it was his first time playing the part and he introduced James Bond to the world. So he really set the stage for Bond, you know, with his performance and that. And I'm going to be perfectly honest Sean Connery wasn't my favorite James Bond. I know, I know it's like blasphemy. But I think, this, people have said this before, and I, I think there's some truth to the fact that the James Bond that you grew up with, you know, especially when you were a kid, you know, around 10, 11, 12 years old, I think that's the one that you like best. I, I remember I've heard that somewhere at least. And, and in my case, that's true. Because I grew up with Roger Moore's Bond, and he'll always be the best Bond for me. So... Anyway, because of all that that stuff, I, I went with my favorite Sean Connery performance that, that, that were not James Bond. So his non-James Bond roles, as it were. So I just wanted to set the stage on that. But uh, anyway, we'll let you kick us off and we'll start at number five. We'll work our way up to number one. Your number five uh, Sean Connery's best performance is... Take all right. My number five mm -hmm. is uh, a movie from 1999 that you've probably never seen, okay. probably never heard of. Okay. It's called Entrapment. It stars uh, Sean Connery and Catherine oh, Zeta-Jones. I believe it was Rings. Catherine Zeta-Jones' butt. Oh, my. Was it ever? Laser lines. Oh my yes, I remember yes. that. Um, so, it, it, full disclosure, I haven't seen this movie in a while. And when I was putting together my top five, the, the number five movie on my list kept changing between three or four movies that I hadn't seen in a while, but I had very fond memories of. So I spent a little time trying to find like clips on the internet. I went back and watched a lot of trailers just to, cause that usually is a really good way for me to refresh my mind. Oh, that's what that was about. Sure. And the, after I sort of juggled three or four different films around entrapment landed on my list, partly because, um, it felt to me like this was almost, uh, a more modern, version of the James Bond franchise like the, so the, the general premise is that Sean Connery's character is like this master thief who doesn't use a gun he's all about stealing he's not about killing and he's never been caught uh, if I remember correctly or he's never been uh, convicted and in in order to try and finally catch him they they create this Catherine Zeta-Jones character whose law enforcement poses as a thief who's gone undercover and they try and steal all this money after an art heist and so it's this combination of cop movie, uh, heist movie, con artist movie, and then there's good action sequences. And I'm like, I'm like, if you told me, you didn't even have to tell me who's in it. If you said, I got a movie that's about cops and robbers, there's a heist, there's a con artist, there's, you know, twist ending, and it's got a few famous people in it. I'm like, I'm in. 
I like, oh, do you want to know who they are? Nope, I'm in. You got my money. Like, I, I love those kinds of movies. And I, I've, I, although it's been a long time since I've seen Entrapment, I remember I liked it a lot. I know it did very well uh, on home video. I, I think it did pretty good in the box office, but I do remember it did very good on home video. It sold, they sold a lot of DVDs. And um, yeah, it sort of, it was like, it came out, I think, the year, uh, one or two years after the first um, Tom Cruise Mission Impossible. So that Mission Impossible franchise hadn't really found its legs yet. And this to me felt like it was it was one of the movies that came out around that time that saw what Mission Impossible was trying to do and went, yeah, I think we can do something like that. And uh, and it worked. I, I enjoyed it. It was very entertaining. And uh, it was a it was an interesting look at Sean Connery who would have been geez had to have been close to 50 by the time he made that one where he still still was the suave gentleman right like he Catherine Zeta Jones had to have been in her early to mid 20s so you got to figure there had to be at least 20 years difference between them but you know you still believe that there could be some romantic chemistry going there I mean hell she ended up marrying Michael Douglas she clearly likes older guys so good point yeah but uh yeah so uh number five my list entrapment I haven't seen it in a while but after doing the homework for this I'm gonna find myself a copy and I plan to watch this in the next week or two and and so all those things you said about the movie his performance was good in it too you're saying from what I again, I, I I was only able to get through some of the clips this week because I couldn't mm-hmm. find the whole movie. But yeah, he he was he was good. He was again. I, I don't expect every and every performer to win an Oscar with every performance they ever do. Uh, and many many actors never win that kind of accolade. But if I'm entertained and I go in and I feel and I'm convinced that this performer is playing a thief or a burglar or a, a cop or a whatever, and and I believe it for those two hours. I'm I'm in. I'm good. And yeah, he did a great yeah. job. I'm and, fine with it. And like we always say, it's it's our personal favorite picks. Sure. You know, and that's sure. and that's what makes this podcast so great because then people can debate us and say, hey, that's not my pick. It's we're not going with the textbook answers, although you accuse me of that a lot. Um yeah. it's more yeah, like I mean, these are our favorite picks. So yeah, good. I mean, believe me, I, I wanted to throw the Highlander on here because I just love it. It's like a, a good bad movie and it's swords and sorcery, which is right up my alley, but uh, his performance in that movie is pretty bad. Like you really? cast the Scotsman to play right. the Spaniard, you cast a Frenchman to play a Scotsman, <laughs> you pl- cast an American to play a Brit. Like that movie just was all over the place. Wrong casting, right. but uh, yeah, I could I couldn't in good faith put that on my list. No, so, okay. I like so number pick. five for me is Entrapment from 1990. Okay. That's a good one. I like that. Um, okay, so my number five pick. He actually Sean Connery played two roles in this. It's and this is not a Sean Connery film. You kind of touch base on that uh, in yours. The, this is not a Sean Connery film. He played a role in it, but um, I really like this movie. So he played King Agamemnon and also the fireman in 1981's Time Bandits. And there's something about this movie I've just, I've always loved. And I've passed it on to my my boys as well. They've watched Time Bandits and they love Time Bandits. Um, I think we're definitely going to have to do a review on this movie on a future podcast. And the thing was for me, it, it's before the time of CGI. So, yeah. This movie has all these incredible special effects, and they're all done with traditional techniques, and they look really, really, really great. And if you think about it, what kid wouldn't love the idea of going through their bedroom closet and into a globe-trotting adventure throughout different times in history? And, and like I say, I've showed this movie to both my kids. They both love it. And, 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 and the thing is, they've grown up with, you know, these CGI-heavy movies, and... The, the, the thing about this movie, too, is as much as I love all the special effects in it and the, the stories and the time traveling, at the center of the whole story, Sean Connery, for me, grounds this movie because he represents the father figure that Kevin never had at home. And it's the one part of the movie that makes Kevin want to stop time traveling and just settle down as a family. And... The, the fact that Sean Connery anchors the movie is kind of solidified at the end when he appears as the fireman who comes to Kevin's house after, you know, this fire wipes out the, the whole home. And I've always just felt that in the middle of this quirky movie, Sean Connery stands out like royalty. And not only because he plays a king, but because in a lot of ways, like he kind of was royalty. So that's my number five. 
Time Bandits. Nice. Good pick. I haven't yeah. seen Time Bandits in a while. That's Terry Gilliam, right? From, yeah, Terry uh, Gilliam. Monty, Python flying, my, Monty Python's Flying Circus. Which is not what you would expect from Terry Gilliam. Coming from Monty Python, you would expect well, you know, these crazy, you know, these comedy movies. But he came up with, you know, a, a whole series of films in the 80s that were kind of just bizarre and weird and had, you know, like Brazil and this. I was going to say, yeah, Brazil I haven't seen in a while, but I yeah. remember it being a real trip. Yeah, so. he's just, he was an incredible director. Very, very unique talent. So, yeah. anyway. All right. Uh, number four. So my number four pick. Uh, again, it's a much newer film. I'd be shocked if you've seen it. It's from the year 2000, and it's called Finding Forrester. Oh, okay. So, surprisingly enough, I actually went to see that movie in the theater when it came out. Wow. Yeah, okay. I know. Surprising, isn't it? I, this is, yeah, this this is one of those movies that if I see it in the lineup, uh, it's coming on TV, I almost always stop to watch it. I'll be it honest, reminds, I didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't of like it when you I did. see it. I knew you would do so. <laughs> I didn't like so, it at all. But It, it gets a lot of un, uh, unfair, well, maybe not so unfair, comparisons to Goodwill Hunting in the sense that it's, you know, the main the main character is, uh, you know, from a... Um, uh, does it doesn't have a, uh, he comes from like a I don't want to say a broken home but he 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 lives in a part of the community mm-hmm. where the the people don't have money uh, he he goes to a, a school that's rough and tumble but he's this kid who has this gift he's a creative writer and and he's always writing stuff down and he's also a really good basketball player and he gets this opportunity to go to a private school on athletic scholarship but it turns out he's actually a really good writer and then of course the Sean Connery character is the the, the mentor the the reclusive uh, retired author who's hiding out in this uh, you know in this old apartment that he's probably been in for 30 years or more and watch the community change around him and he he you know mentors this young boy and it turns out that the finding forester the forester in the title is is Sean Connery's character who is this reclusive author who won a Pulitzer Prize years earlier and then just fell off the face of the earth and so he he mentors this this uh, young kid and of course the movie's got F Murray Abraham uh, playing his usual you know dickish self in the as one of the professors who you know immediately takes uh takes the, the new kid uh, uh, to town because he's jealous of his incredible ability and Anna Paquin is in it as the girlfriend um, and she's again not in it a lot but I mean, she's got an Oscar so uh, and then of course there's Sean Connery and and this was one of his uh, one of his last movies and um, I, I think that it it stands as a testament sort of to, to sort of the end of his career where he plays that older mentor he plays that person with the life experience he's clearly like an old crank and he's he's got his issues that come with age you know the whole idea of the grumpy grandpa kind of character but at the same time he's able to impart wisdom and provide guidance and provide share that life experience with sort of the next generation someone who has a talent similar to his own and he can nurture that and I, I, I think that's a good sort of testament to his career um, to have this as one of his final performances. And I just I think it's a great movie. I like it a lot. So my number four is Finding Forrester. Mm-hmm. There you go. OK, so my number four, Derek, we never discuss our lists ahead of time. We just like to go into this blind and just kind of see. But for my number four, I, I, I know you pretty well. We've known each other for 25 years and we do this podcast every week. I, I know that this this uh, again I, we haven't seen each other list I know this movie is going to be on your list and it's probably like right up near the top so for that reason and, and if, if it's not well then I'll just I'll eat my own words but I know that this is going to be on your list so I'll tell you what I'm going to take a buy on my number four I'm going to I'm going to pass I'm going to punt it back to you to go to number three and when it comes back around and you pick this as one of yours because I know you will I just I know you then I'll talk about it then does that sound fair? That's that sounds fair to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, punt my number four for now because I just, I know right. it's coming around. So right. why don't we just move on to your number three? All right, I get double. I get talk to you. Row. <laughs> All right, number three is is again another one of my uh, my favorite. We'll call it guilty pleasure movies. Although I don't think I feel that guilty. Um, it's from 1996. Michael Bay, The Rock. Oh yeah. Have you seen it? I have. I actually saw that in the movie theater too. Yeah. So it was it was a lot of fun. It was kind of hokey and stuff, but I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch. I love this movie. So yeah. I I I Good have. Uh, this is going to harken back to our previous episode as well. I have a laser disc player, 12 yes. inch laser disc. The, <laughs> we we again, talked for, about this. For today's generation, a laser disc is like a CD, except it's 12 inches across instead of what's a CD, five inches. And you literally load it into a DVD player. It, again, it looks just like a gigantic CD player. And the, the information 
was coded in such a way that you couldn't get it all onto one side of the CD. You had to literally eject it halfway through the movie, flip it flip over, it and, and, and pick it up from there. And mm-hmm. for really long movies, it was on two discs or mm-hmm. two sides of two discs in some cases. So um, I have maybe 20 movies in my Laserdisc collection, The Rock. Do you still have a laser, Laserdisc player? Not only do I have Laserdisc player, when we did The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, a couple of year, weeks ago, yeah. I watched it on Laserdisc. Oh, good for you. There you go. So anyway, The Rock, starring Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage, uh, is one of the other ones that I have on Laserdisc. I love this movie. I've seen it a ton of times. I haven't seen it recently, so I may, may deserve a, a rewatch sometime in the near future. So again, The Rock in the title is not the wrestler. Uh, it is re- reference to the Alcatraz prison in San Francisco Bay, nicknamed The Rock. And that's The Rock that we're talking about here. And uh, for the people who maybe haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while, do yourself a favor, go see it. It is Michael Bay. So there's tons of explosions. There's lots of great special effects work and fast planes and boats and chases and blow it up, shoot it up. It wouldn't be a Michael Bay movie without those things. So as long as you know that going in and you think, I can handle that. You'll probably enjoy this. Um, the idea is that the um, Ed Harris, it plays a uh, disgruntled military person who goes on to Alcatraz Island and uh, like Alcatraz is a tourist attraction. You can go and visit it. And he basically takes a bunch of tourists hostage and holds them for ransom. And he says, you know, I'm going to use one of my special missiles that has this poison attached to it. I'm going to shoot it into San Francisco and everyone in San Francisco will die. And I want millions and billions of dollars and all these political blah, blah, blah. Again, whatever. We don't really care why, why he's doing it. That's the premise. So they bring on Nicholas Cage, who's like a chemical weapons engineer to accompany the SEAL Team 6 that's going to go and try and take back the rock. And they they get Sean Connery's character out of like deep prison. And apparently he's he had been um, in Alcatraz as an as a, an inmate years, years, years earlier when it was a prison. And he was one of the only people that ever escaped that was then recaptured. And so they don't come right out and say that he's supposed to be his James Bond character. But they lean on that idea pretty heavy that in the 60s, he was a spy for the British. And then in the 70s, he sort of went rogue and got captured. And he, that's why he was in, in Alcatraz. Again, they don't come right out and say that, but they lean on it real good. And then so they bring Sean Connery out of uh, out of prison and they're like, hey, you got to take our special SEAL Team 6 into Alcatraz through whatever means it was that you escaped years earlier so they can get the drop on these bad military people and stop the rockets and defuse the gas and all the rest of that jazz. And, uh, you know, I was going to say hilarity ensues, but it's not so much hilarity as much as it's just a good old shoot them up, chase them down, blow it up kind of movie. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Nicolas Cage. In fact, I really don't like Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. This is one of the only movies he's done that I've seen where I actually really enjoyed his performance. I thought for once he was actually really well cast in it. I thought he I mean, Nick Cage has an Oscar, right? Like he he's talented. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a big fan of his work, but I loved him in this. Sean Connery's great. Ed Harris is great. It's got uh, John Spencer, who uh, people might remember from the West Wing as uh, Leo McGarry. He plays uh, basically he's like a, a law enforcement person who was operating when The Rock was actually active. So he's got like a back history in it. Uh, this movie's great. And Sean Connery gets to basically be old James Bond in this movie and so there's like what's not to like nine number three is the rock i could go on and on for hours but uh, let's stop there that's my pick number three that's a a good one okay my number three tom clancy wrote some pretty amazing novels you know back in the day but but like a lot of authors his books don't always translate well onto the big screen um i personally think his best novel was without remorse uh, but there's just no way that would make a good movie. Um, I think one of the things about his books is that, you know, they were really descriptive in nature, especially in regard to military technology. But the one of his books that translated into the best movie was The Hunt for Red October. And it came out in 1990 and it was based on a 1984 novel. But there was a lot of really, really good actors in it, like Alec Baldwin and James Earl Jones, Scott Glenn, Sam Neill. But Sean Connery was a standout in this. And the reason why I like him so much in this movie is that he shouldn't have been a standout because this is the movie that first introduced the character of Jack Ryan to the big screen, you know, played by Alec Baldwin in this one. And so you think that Jack Ryan would be the most memorable part of the movie, but it's not. Instead, for me at least, it was a Russian submarine captain 
called Marco Ramius, you know, played by an English actor, you know, uh, Sean Connery. And like you mentioned with Highlander, where, you know, there was a lot of people playing, you know, different, you know, people from different countries and things like that. It works in this movie. And, and I think the ability to pull it off, you know, he's playing this Russian, is just because he's Sean Connery. Like, it, he just pulls it off. And I think it's one of his best roles, and it's number three on my list. So, so I... I have seen The Hunt for Red October. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking it was okay, but uh, not a big fan. To Like a lot of movies from that time period that I enjoyed, I've gone back and watched again and again. I've never really had any desire to go back and rewatch Hunt for Red October. I've never really been fascinated by the Jack Ryan movie series, regardless of who's been in the role. And it's mm-hmm. been recast a few times now. Oh, yeah, lots of people. I, I mean, I, I watched all of the movies. I saw even a lot of them in the theater. But I, I don't know, just that... That genre, for whatever reason, never really did it for me. I tried reading Tom Clancy, but because my dad loves Clancy books. I mean, nothing says you're a dad unless you've got a dozen Tom Clancy books on the shelf. Um, But no, I couldn't get into the books either. It just, I don't know. It wasn't really my cup of tea. And I just felt that Sean Connery, I had a hard time. I had a hard time getting over the fact that this Scotsman was playing a Russian but still had his Scottish accent. And I mean, I kind of better that he didn't try and do a Russian accent because I think that would have been worse. Mm-hmm. But I, for me, that was a big problem. And the way they try to mask it at the beginning, like they, they zoom in and they're like speaking Russian and then it just kind of melds over and they start speaking English just to kind of almost say to the audience, okay, we're going to have them speak English so you can hear them. Yes. You know, and you can understand what they're saying. And the funny thing is, I'm glad you mentioned the books because I read The Hunt for Red October and I didn't get through it. I put it down. I didn't like it. It was just too technical. It was just too much yeah. military mumbo jumbo to me. So I didn't actually enjoy the, the novel, but I enjoyed the movie. And I thought Sean Connery was pretty good in it. He he was a standout to me in that movie. Yeah, I think I think I felt like you with the books. I felt they were yeah. just a little bit too tech, too much detail in things that I wasn't interested I think, in. But I, think but I know a lot of people that love the books. Oh right? yeah, they did. And I think that's why I liked Rem- Without Remorse so much because it wasn't all about all that military. It was about you know a guy basically just trying to get revenge. You know, and things like that. I thought it was quite good. But anyway, uh, well, your number two, Sean Connery's best performance All is? Right. Well, I had a hard time not putting this at number one. Mm-hmm. And I almost want to call an audible and change it right now, but I'm going to stick with it. My number two, I can't believe this is my number two, is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh. So uh, who better to be Indiana Jones's dad than James Bond? Like... <laughs> It's so perfect. Like you couldn't have passed this. Uh, I mean, you you've already gone on record many times to say Raiders of the Lost Ark is in your top three favorite movies. And depending on the day of the week, it can be number one, number two or number three. Yes. And and very much like you, like I'm literally sitting here right now looking at a framed poster of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's one of my all time favorite movies, too. Everything about it is fantastic. Actually, come to think of it over my other shelf, I can see my Raiders of the Lost Ark role playing game book. So like clearly I'm a big Raiders fan. And uh, that's why we're such good friends. Yeah. And honestly, depending on the day of the week, if you ask me what was my favorite Indiana Jones movie, sometimes The Last Crusade goes ahead of Raiders. Like, that's how wow. much I like The Last Crusade. Like, it just, it there's it's got so much going for it. And the, the addition of Sean Connery to this franchise in the way they introduce him and the, like, you believe every, as soon as he's on screen, you believe that this is the father of the Indiana Jones character that we met. We've already seen for two and a half movies. We know him. We love him. He used to be Han Solo, and now he's he's Indiana Jones. We buy that 100%, and then it's like, boom, here's his dad, Sean Connery. And you're like, yes, of course. Like, who else? So, yeah, duh. <laughs> and then I read a thing, and they're like, oh, there's only like 12 or 13 years between the two actors. But again, it, that doesn't matter. They just, the way they played it, the, the relationship between these two guys. I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I got to think that Harrison Ford and Sean Connery must have got along really well because either that or they're both fantastic actors because you really get the sense that they they have this camaraderie mm-hmm. they have this relationship and and it just works on so many levels and and it just for me it was like the addition of Sean Connery made Indiana Jones a more interesting character to see the dad and it's it's rare that introducing a a supporting character to an established franchise makes you look at the established characters and and feel differently about them. And in this case, it was like you feel so so differently in a positive way. But yeah, I, I love I love everything about this movie. I remember seeing it came out in 1989. It was my first year of high school. I can remember going to the theater to see it with a couple of my buddies and saying like, we're going to see that again. 
And I saw it a bunch of times in the theater. This this movie's great. Another one. If it's in the, if it's in the lineup when they're like, "Hey, coming up this weekend, we're doing an Indiana Jones movie marathon." I'm like, "Okay, which what time is Raiders of the Lost Ark coming on? And what time is Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade coming on? I'll be back for those two. So that's my number two. So my number four that I took a pass on because I knew that you were going to bring it up was Professor Henry Jones. Okay. From this, I just I, I know, but but unlike you, interestingly, of the three Indiana Jones movies. Oh, and by the way, I say three because that Shia LaBeouf crap that came out a couple of years ago it doesn't exist in my world. It, the, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is like the prequels, you know, of the Indiana That's Jones true. world for me. Uh, but anyway, so of the three Indiana Jones movies, <clears throat> I've seen this one the least. Really? And I, I only ever saw it once. I saw it in the movie theater when it came out. And to be perfectly honest with you, Derek, I didn't really like the movie all that much. The, 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 the first one, no, the first one is the best by far. The second one for me is a lot of fun, but it's also a little bit different than the first movie. And this third one, it, it's a little bit different too. It's It's got a lot of like religious imagery in it. Not that that's a bad thing, but... Uh, because some things I didn't like about like I didn't like how he walks on the invisible bridge and I, I didn't like the female interest but one thing I did like about it was Sean Connery you know and and the thing is unlike you I think funny enough I, I would say that he wouldn't have been my first choice to play Indiana Jones's dad I don't know who would be but he was absolutely perfect he was perfect 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 in this role and that's why it's on my list and I think anytime that you can transcend a movie and be probably the best part about it. It says something about your charisma. It says something about your acting skills. And it says something about your staying power. And for me, Sean Connery had all three of those in spades. So that's why it was my pick. So I agree with you. That's good. Yeah, no. So that so it was your number four, my number two, Indiana yeah. Jones and the Last Crusade. I mean, I know we try <laughs> not to overlap the lists. And from time to time, when we think there's going to be overlap, we get a neutral third party to just be like, yeah. no, you're good. Or one of you needs to change your number three pick. But no, with this one, I, I, I got no problem with the beer. Yeah. And this one, and, and like you said, you know, he's got 94 acting credits, but a lot of them are not very good. So so no. so it's going to be really hard for us to get, you know, five each and, and not have an overlap. But uh, that being said, I think we've done pretty good so far. How about your number two. Move that was along. my number two. What's oh, sorry. Number two? My number two. Um, so I went with Jim Malone in The Untouchables from 1987. One of the things that I'll, I'll always remember about Sean Connery is how he transitioned from this sort of young leading man into a wiser, older mentor type character. And you've mentioned that before with uh, Finding with Forrester. Finding Forrester, yeah. And, and we mentioned he did it well as Indiana Jones' dad as well. But he, for me, he did it even better in, in this movie, in The Untouchables. So, first of all, I think Brian De Palma is one of the most underrated directors of all time. Uh, he came out of that film school generation of directors that we've talked about before. You know, those ones that came up in the 70s, you know, like Lucas and Spielberg and Scorsese. And if you think of De Palma's films like Carrie and The Fury and Scarface and, and heck, even Phantom of the Paradise... He just, he had his own style of filmmaking. His, his composition of his shots, he used to use the Dutch angle a lot and split screens and pans. And in this movie, he does an homage to Battleship Potemkin. Battleship Potemkin, yeah. You know, he does the Odessa step sequence, right? And he's a director's director, you know? But the thing is, even with all that going on, one of the best parts of this movie is Sean Connery. He, he basically plays sort of this sage in this morality play about crime and justice. And he uses his experience to guide Elliot Ness, you know, Kevin Costner, uh, through the movie. And for me, like, he's the one that's able to kind of figure things out along the way. Like, he figures out who the corrupt cops are. You know, he, he ends up getting shot for it. And he also got his only Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor, which he won. You know, and I think rightly so. It, it, this was not just an example, as we've talked before, when, you know, the, the Academy just gives an Oscar to someone for their body of work. You know, like he was the clear-cut right choice that year. Now, I do think Morgan Freeman, with his breakout role in Street Smart, was really, 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 really good that year. And that would have made it close if I was a voter. But Sean Connery got the Oscar. Uh, he deserved the Oscar. It was one of the best performances of his career, although not his best because it's still not my number one, and, and we'll get to that in a bit. But, uh, man, The Untouchables, he was damn good. So that's my number two. 
Pond are your number I, one? I'm really curious to see what it is. Uh, so, uh, just to comment on the Untouchables, mm-hmm. I was I'm not a big fan of the film. Yeah, uh, I, I thought Connery's performance was good, um, but again, I believe his character is supposed to be Irish, yet he speaks with a Scottish accent. I got a real problem with that in some <laughs> cases. I mean, I like Sean Connery, but uh, yeah. Anyway, um, no the the whole idea of the Untouchables, like mm-hmm. things that like with that. Dep- uh, depression era, um, boot, uh, um, prohibition era, Elliot Ness, like that whole time frame, time period. There's been a lot of movies and TV shows where they've they've done uh, stories about those characters. It does not interest me at all, not even a little bit. And I just felt that with that one, like uh, Robert De Niro plays um, Al Capone, right? Yes, he does. Again, I, I just I didn't think he was ca- the right person in that role. I, I agree. Not, One of the greatest yeah. actors of our generation, but not yeah, for I that just, role. I didn't yeah. really like him in that role. I mean, usually I like him in most of this. I, I mean, honestly, I don't like him in everything he does, but when he's good, he's really good. And I just felt that he didn't seem right to the right person in that. And uh, and again, but Costner, when, when we're talking about Connery's man, performances, though, like I thought Connery true. was so good. Okay, yeah, but he was yeah, the right okay. guy for this role. Sure. Okay, I'll give. You I that. would argue. Yeah. But. All right. So on to number one. Number one. Uh, what do you got? I don't think I don't think there's much argument here, or there shouldn't be. But based on what you said at the top of the show, I think uh, there's. I think there ours are going to be different. I pick James sure. Bond. Like. Oh, okay. Okay. Just, Bond, I, you got to go with James Bond. His so. body of work is that what you're doing well, in this one? Yes and no. So uh, he appeared as Bond in seven films. He appeared uh, in um, six times in the '60s and '70s. Like so, he was in Bond one, two, three, four, five. Then Lazenby came in bombed that they brought connery back for one more so he was in you know six of the first seven bond movies he was in the first five and then he was in number seven then years later they uh they did never say never again in 1983 yeah. um which i believe and was just the title alone brothers. was so good can we just yeah. talk about the title for a second because he always said i will never play james bond again when he stepped away from that character he said i am done with james bond it is over done with and so then the title is never say never again so cool yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, I've seen all of, I've, I, I've seen every James Bond movie. I've seen most of them more than once. I have all of them on DVD and Blu-ray uh, or Blu-ray depending. Cause obviously the, the genre switched over, the formatting switched over, uh, halfway through there. And I have, uh, like you, Connery is not my favorite Bond, largely because I didn't discover Connery as Bond until after I had seen Roger Moore and Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan. And then I went back and watched the the Sean Connery ones. And by then I'm, you know, a, a teenager. It's the, the early 90s. And I have certain expectations of what I think James Bond should be. And going back to those original roots where it wasn't gadgets and shoot 'em ups, it, you know, movies made in the 60s. Are, it's a different style of movie making than movies made in the 90s. So when you're a 15-year-old and you go back to watch those, it's hard to use the same measuring stick. So uh, as much as I could appreciate the, you know, what the movies, what they were for the franchise and what they were in the time, uh, Connery himself was never my favorite uh, Bond. But looking back at his... So, so who was? Who was? I am like you. I think I, uh, Roger Moore was for the longest time because he was Bond when I first started seeing James Bond in the theater. But um, now I got to say, I I like Daniel Craig a lot. But yeah, I think you do. Largely, that's because of the way movies are, are made now. Like, that's the kind of movie I want to see a modern movie with mm-hmm. modern technology and modern gadgets and, and modern fight sequences and modern special effects. And so that's why I think I like the guy who's in the seat today and I think five ten years from now when they recast it again and they they keep telling those stories that'll be my favorite Bond movie my favorite Bond actor but um, so in any case coming back to Sean Connery though uh, so this week I made a point of trying to dig up some of those old Connery movies the only one that I got a chance to see that I had always wanted to see and never could was the Presidio with Mark Harmon and it was an okay movie it was in the mid 80s but again it was more of a Mark Harmon movie than a Sean Connery movie and Connery was hardly in it so his performance wasn't outstanding so I, I certainly wasn't going to put that on the list. But there's a lot of other more classic Connery movies I was looking for and couldn't find. So then I went back and I watched the first three uh, Connery Bonds. I watched Dr. No, excuse me, Dr. No from Russia with Love and Thunderball. Or, or I guess, well, Goldfinger, Gold yeah. three, but I watched Thunderball. I watched from uh, Dr. No from Russia with Love and Thunderball. Mm-hmm. And beca- I think because I, I remember Goldfinger and You Only Live tw- Twice, I remember those ones very, very well. But the other three, it had been a while. So I went back and watched them all. And um, 
I got to say, after watching the three of those, Thunderball was the one I liked the best. I thought Sean Connery <laughs> was the best in that. Again, it started to feel to me like it took him a couple of movies to get a sense of where Bond was going. He's got a, he's got a few of the gadgets, but not like a crazy number of gadgets. They're not like these these unbelievable things. He doesn't rely on them a lot. Uh, like I found the Roger Moore character like leaned heavily on the gadgets to the point where it was un, like crazy unrealistic. But uh, Connery was was good. He was I mean, he looked good. He he acted good. He um, you believed him as this role. He didn't do anything. Un, he was like constantly like fighting and like fist fighting and and doing things that you would expect an individual loan agent to do. And of course, You've got the scenes with him in the casino. You've got the scenes with him with the ladies. Like, he had it all. All the bikinis going on, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I loved it. Submarine stuff was cool, yeah. Yeah, this Thunderball one was really good. And this is the one where he flies in the jetpack at the beginning, which is... A lot of people, when they think of Connery, you think of Connery in the jetpack. So, no, Thunderball. I had to go with Thunderball as my main pick. But, I mean, my number one is Connery as Bond as sort of like overarching category but if I gotta pick one I'm going with Thunderball and that's why like even when he did Never Say Never Again it was almost like a remake of Thunderball in a way you know it's been so long since I saw Never Say Never that um, I wanted to watch Thunderball again because I'm gonna now that I started watching them I'll go through and keep watching the rest of the Bond movies over the next few weeks but uh, yeah so so Bond the body of work James Bond is number one but if I had to narrow it down to a single movie I'm going with Thunderball Thunderball that's good Okay, so my number one, my favorite all-time Sean Connery performance is a movie that I first saw when I was was probably about eight years old, and that's The Man Who Would Be King. It's from 1975, and the character he played was Daniel Drevett, and it's directed by the legendary John Huston. And for me, not only is it Sean Connery's best performance, it's his best film. And I personally think it's the best film of Houston's career as well. Now, Connery always said it was his favorite movie. And even Michael Caine feels it's his best movie. Now, if you're not familiar with this film, I'm going to basically give it all away. It's it's based on a, a Richard Kipling novel. And it's about these two British soldiers, soldiers. And they're played by Connery and Michael Caine, obviously. And they're stationed in India. But they're basically petty criminals and con men. So they decide that they're going to go north to this country called uh, Kafiristan. And it's like a province of Afghanistan. And then there's this battle and Sean Connery takes an arrow to the chest. But it gets lodged into like the leather strap of his uniform so it doesn't hurt him. And the locals think he's a god, right? Because the arrow didn't kill him. So he gets all the treasure of the land. And so Michael Caine's like, okay, well, let's load up all this treasure and let's get the hell out of here. Let's go to England and then we can like live a life of luxury. And, and then Sean Connery's like, hmm, getting a little bit of a taste of power, you know, as the king decides, mm, I think I just want to stay, you know. And then he takes a wife, one of the local women, and he marries her. And on his wedding night, she bites him on the cheek and he bleeds. So the locals know he's not a god because he bleeds. So they make him walk out on this rope bridge, kind of like the one in um, in Temple of Doom. We were just talking okay. about you, you know what I mean? Like there's that big rope yeah, bridge. Yeah. They make him walk out on this thing. And when he's out in the middle, they cut the rope and he falls to his death. It's just, it's an incredible film. And it, it's, for me, it's one that gets overlooked a lot, I think. And, and it, it is Sean Connery's best film. It's Houston's best film. It's Michael Caine's best film. And, and that is really saying something, you know, those three guys. It was nominated for four Academy Awards, uh, none of the big ones. Um, it, it Honestly, it wouldn't have won anything that year anyway because uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest swept like all the Oscars that year. But The Man Who Would Be King is an amazing, amazing film. It's everything that an epic film should be. You know, it deals with with money and death and the love of power. And for me, it's Sean Connery's best performance by far of his career. And that's why it's number one on my list. I, I would strongly suggest if you've never seen it, um, go find a copy somewhere. I don't know where you would find it. But if you can watch The Man Who Would Be King, you will not be disappointed. I promise you that. So I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. This is one of those ones that I had heard great things about. Oh, it's felt so should be on the list, mm-hmm. but I've never seen it, so I couldn't talk about it. Thanks for ruining that for me, by the way. Um, the other ones that I've always wanted to watch that I've never had a chance to uh, is The Russia House and In the Name of the Rose. 
which I heard were both pretty good and I have never seen either of those two as well. So. I remember in 1981, that was a, I was 11 years old and I went to the movies all the time. I saw everything that came out and a movie came out with him in it called Outland. And I never ever did see that movie. It was like in, in space. And uh, I don't know if it was very good or not, but uh, I never did see that one of his. Um, and th- I, I saw that years ago and I, at the time I remember enjoying it. But again, I haven't seen it in so long. I don't remember enough of it to, to in fair, fairness, put it on this list. But had I been able to watch it this week and if it had held up, it would have made my list. It probably would have slotted right in there at number five instead of Entrapment. Yeah, and The Rush House was another one that I, I had not seen. But uh, Yeah, I haven't seen it. So, but Man Who Would Be King, yeah, no, I'd heard great things. Oh, so it, it's it's one of those ones that's on my watch list. And uh, yeah, I, as much as I, I wanted to put it on the list because I knew it was supposed to be great, mm-hmm. I just, I've never seen it. So I'm glad you got it. Yeah, no, it's, it's the best. Okay, so on that note, let's have some fun with Caveman. Okay, so even though I didn't list any of his Bond performances in my top five. We all know Sean Connery is best known as James Bond. But the thing is, he's not the obviously the only actor to ever play James Bond. There's been seven actors that have played the role. So here's how it's going to work, Derek. I'm going to name a film, and you tell me the actor that played James Bond in the movie. Super easy, okay? All right, I'm going for how many questions you got? Ten? I got 15 of them. Okay, I'm going for 15 out of 15. You will get them all. Okay, here we go. I think I will. Never say never again. Sean Connery. Moonraker. Roger Moore. Spectre. Daniel Craig. Golden Eye. Golden Eye was Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Goldfinger. John Connery. The Spy Who Loved Me. Roger Moore. You only live twice. John Connery. The Living Daylights. Timothy Dalton. The Man with the Golden Gun. Roger Moore. Live and Let Die. Let Die. Roger Moore. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. George Lazenby. Diamonds are forever. John Connery. License to Kill. Timothy Dalton. Tomorrow Never Dies. Pierce Brosnan. Casino Royale from 2006. Uh, Daniel Craig. Casino Royale from 1967. Woody Allen. No, no, no. No, you no. got the last one wrong. No. It, wasn't, it was uh, uh, Peter Sellers. No, it was David Niven. Oh, I would have never David that. Niven. Okay, so uh, so you did pretty good. Not bad. You so nailed them all. Should have been speed round. I know. We just went through them so fast because yeah, I know no, that you know. I, I'm you a know big Bond, Bond fan. Yeah, I, I knew Bond I was going to get. There was a couple I was like, mm, I had to think for a second. You know what helped me on a lot of them what? was when you said the title of the movie. I could I could picture the poster because mm-hmm. Bond movies always have such great posters. They have great posters and they have great opening songs. Yes. They've always been known for like a wicked, wicked song. Well, that was Live and Let Die. Like I had to think for a second. As soon as Wings. I heard the song okay. in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah. well, of course it's Roger Moore. They all had such such good songs. Um, okay, so Derek, you, recently you made a suggestion uh, in, in, in the fact that since we do our movie reviews in pairs, you know, whether we sandwich them between the top five lists, that we should tie our movie picks together, you know, with a common theme. And obviously, since Sean Connery was, you know, the, the, the highlight of our show this week and after he passed away, I figured what better way to pair up our movie picks than for each of us to nominate a Sean Connery movie for us to watch and review. Now, I was going to go with The Man Who Would Be King, but, you know, because it's, it's really good. But since I ruined the plot for everyone, um, I decided I'm going to go with something a little bit more in the wheelhouse of Gen Xers out there, you know, since that's what I do. Um, and so I want to come back next episode and I want to review the 1981 Terry Gilliam film Time Bandits. Nice. Okay. My kids love it. I'll make them watch it again with me. Uh, so you're you're up for the challenge to watch Time Bandits and come back and do that one? Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it in a while, it's but so I'm good. 
fairly certain I have the DVD. I know I have a copy of it kicking around somewhere. So, yeah. I definitely have the DVD because I've taken it to the trailer before and we've watched it with the kids. So it's all good. I might have it on video. No, I definitely don't have it. Do you have it on Laserdisc, though? That is really. No, no, I don't. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. Halfway through, after the Sean Connery scene, you have to take out the disc and flip it over and turn it around and put it back in for the second half. (laughs) That's always good. Okay. So if you'd like to reach out to Derek or myself and suggest any other Sean Connery films or anything else at all, or even a a new TV show that I need to uh, binge watch with my wife, you can find me at C McBrien on Twitter. You'll find Derek at Amaron underscore DM on Twitter. And of course, popgoesyourworld.com is our website. And uh, until next week, when we do Time Bandits, this is me, Chris McBrien, on behalf of Derek Meyer saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 